This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony. I title a message tonight, How Can I Know God's Will for My Life? Yeah, I sat there for a long time figuring out, like, oh, what am I going to, what should I call this? Um, and I just really want to call it what I thought it was. And when I read these verses, um, what is God's will for my life? So we're in Proverbs chapter 3, as you can see up there. So if you haven't already, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Uh, please do that. And as you do that, uh, when you do that, uh, we will we read it together. I usually listen for page turning, but this is a very high-tech church. And so you guys, like, have your phones and stuff like that. And so it's something to get used to. Um, before, I always listen for pages when they stop turning that I know, okay, now it's time for me to read the text because everybody's there. But uh, Alex, I'm proud of you, brother. I just, I just want everybody to know I'm discipling Alex right now. So, you know, just, I don't know, whatever you want to think about that. But uh, <laughs> good job. Uh, so let's read it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Uh, together it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. So you may have heard it said before, uh, there's, there's three great questions in life, um, mostly from un- unsaved people, may- maybe some Christians too that don't have a great understanding of the Bible. Uh, it's, uh, how did we get here? How did I get here? What do I do while I'm here? And then what, what happens to me when I die? Those are probably some basic questions that people have in their life and their minds as they go about. Hopefully, people would think about these types of things, uh, which would lead them to maybe to talk to somebody who knows, right, and to gain a right understanding on that. But I would say, um, more importantly for Christians, right, uh, a, a question should pervade the mind of a Christian, and I think that's, what is God's will for my life, right? If I have a proper understanding of my salvation, I'm saved, and I have a proper understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for me, then my next question should be, what should I do with that? How should I live um, as, a, as a Christian, as a saved person? And so uh, it, it pains me sometimes to see uh, Christians who don't see a purpose for their life um, or who don't, who don't care to see a purpose for life, maybe just apathetic uh, in their Christian walk, and they, they really, they're, they're just unconcerned about um, their appearance or how, how they look to an outside world of lost people uh, as a representation or ambassador of Christ. And so I see that sometimes and I just, I just, I don't understand it. I don't, by all means, I don't think I'm there or will ever really be there or achieve that status of, oh, I'm just the holiest person there is. Um, but we should always be trending upward. We should always be growing in our faithfulness and our holiness uh, to the Lord. And so uh, I believe that if we take these verses tonight and we apply them to our lives, it'll help us gain an understanding and we'll know God's purpose for our lives. Uh, and not only will we know God's, God's uh, will and purpose, but it'll give us a desire to carry that out. It'll put that desire in us to carry that out. Um, one, one important thing to remember is God, he doesn't force. He doesn't force. He, does, he doesn't, you know, he, he's, not, he's not running around saying, hey, believe me, or, or you're done. Uh, he gives us opportunity to believe in him. It's, it's free will. We have an opportunity to reject him, or we have an opportunity to accept him. Now, his, his will is for us to believe him. Um, and ultimately, in, the, in the, the realm of creation, his will uh, will come to pass, but he doesn't really need us to accomplish that will. But he, he, he loves us enough to use us to accomplish that will, right? He wants to use us. He desires to use us. He wants to be a part of his plan, what he's doing. He's, he's a good and gracious father who, who loves us, and he wants us to be used for his glory. Often, uh, when I think about a purpose for a Christian life, I think of uh, Revelation's, uh, Revelation, sorry, it's just one Revelation, uh, Revelation 4, uh, verse 11. I believe this kind of, it helps clarify a purpose for a Christian. Uh, it's, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Why were we created? We were created for God's pleasure. 
Now, I don't know if that gives you a lot of purpose or feeling for purpose, but it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. So we're, play, we're, we're created for God's pleasure to give him glory and honor and power. We're, we're, that's what we're created for. So it, it makes you think, is, is my life glorifying to God? And then if it's not glorifying to God, if I don't see it, it is glorifying to God. If I, or if I don't know, how do I know? If I do know, why am I not doing that? Right? So how can I know God's will for my life? Let's, I want to make it practical. I, wanna, I want you to know, how do we carry that out? I think many of us would say, uh, I, wanna, I want to know God's will for my life. If he would just make it clear to me, then, then I would do it. I think if I asked you to raise hands, you'd probably raise your hand. I, I, yeah, I want to know God's will for my life. Tell me, Lord. Make it clear to me. And there's nothing wrong with praying for that or asking for that. Um, but maybe here tonight you would even say, God, anywhere you want to send me, anytime you want to send me somewhere, no matter the cost, hey, I'm willing to do that. But then you go, what is the time? What is the place? What is the cost? Well, I would, I would submit to you tonight that uh, to do that, my complete trust must be in the Lord. My complete trust must be in the Lord. That's kind of the first verse of our text, right? Trust in the Lord. What, so what does it mean to trust then? So if I'm going to trust in the Lord, what does that mean? Uh, trust means to be, a committed, be committed to, to put hope in, to have faith in. And it says it's a verb indicating trust or to be confident, a verb indicating trust or to be confident. It's really, trust is an action. Trust is an action. Maybe better said this way, it's the physical, intentional act. It's kind of the way I look at it, as trust being an act. It's a physical, intentional act of following God, no matter where he leads you, with confidence, with security, and without fear. It's a, it's a physical, intentional act. This is what it trust has to be carried out. Because if you didn't carry it out, then it really wouldn't be trust, would it? Um, let's look at James uh, 1.22. You don't turn your Bible. I've got a screen for you there. Maybe we'll turn our Bibles later, so be ready for that. Or your, or your phones. Or your iPads. Or your device. James 1.22 says, what is it? Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Because what do you do if you do that? You're deceiving your own self. You're deceiving. So if, I'm not, if I don't trust God enough to make that a physical action, part of my life, and be a doer of his word, what he's told me to do in his word, then I'm just a hearer. And if I'm just a hearer, then really I'm only deceiving myself that I'm right with God, but I'm, but I'm really not. It says, for if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, says he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. Straightway he forgetteth what manner of man he was. But then what does he look to? It says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. You see that action? He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We have to trust. That trust is in action. See, many of us, we want God's blessings, but we're not, we're not willing to trust God with our lives. It's, it's, it's easy, it sounds nice to uh, say, hey, hey, I'm saved, but, but practically in your life, you don't trust him with anything that you do. You know, so you'll, you, you, you'll trust him with your salvation, but you won't trust him with your finances. Trust him with your salvation, but you won't trust him with your children. Trust him with salvation, but you won't trust him with your time. And is that really being a doer of the word? Is that, is that being a hearer only? And I'm talking to Christians tonight. It's important to understand that we want those blessings, right? We want God to be faithful, and God is faithful. But, I, but at first, he requires you to be faithful. He, he's not going to bless you or be faithful to you if, if you're not willing to trust him and be faithful in your own Christian walk right? That, comes, that has to come first. I mean, you look at children. Children are a good example of this, right? I say, if you want to know, if you want to know the nature of God, a lot of times I say, have kids. And that will teach you a lot of things about the nature of God. 
um, and, and how, he, how he views us. Because I see so, so many parallels when you read the Bible. And it's like, God's the parent, I'm the kid. Man, he's always, you know, I don't want to say smacking me around, but sometimes, sometimes it feels like he's always smacking me around. Like, ah, you're dummy. You didn't learn that. And you're having to learn it again, you know. And so what do I do with my kids? I just take them and I smack them around. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody's like on the phone, CPS. Um, <laughs> no, but children are a good example of just relating, right, to, to God, how, God, how, how does God view us? Because sometimes our kids want us, they want good things from us, right? But if they're not willing to trust we, uh, and obey what we say, then why would I give them good things? Why would I be like, oh, yeah, uh, here's the keys to the car, go out, have a good time, here's 100 bucks while, while I'm at it, right? If they're just going to be, you know, doing whatever they want around the house, you're leaving their stuff all around when I tell them not to, not cleaning the room, not doing these things, why would I, why would I do that? I'd be like, no, you're not, you're not being faithful in the things that you're supposed to do. You're not trusting what I tell you is right, but you want me to bless you? I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. That's not right. And God doesn't do that either. And so, really, to make, to make trust a reality, it must be done with all of our heart, right? It must be done with all of our heart. And so, trust is an action, yes, but to really make trust a, a reality in our life, you, you really got to believe it. It's got to be from your heart. It's got to be with all of your heart, right? And so you see me pointing at my chest, right, where my heart is. <laughs> but is it really my heart? Is it, is it the pumping thing that's, that's here in my chest that's responsible for, for making sure the blood circulates in my body, right? We say that, right, but it's, an, it's, it's to give us an understanding of the, what, what God would say, what God would kind of deem our, our, who we are. It's us. Like, we're kind of our heart, right? It's, it's uh, we would say, seat of the emotions, uh, of the intellect, of the will, right? It's, it's who you are. It's more than just a physical body, right? It's your thoughts. It's your desires. It's your feelings. It's all, it's all that combined of who you are. And that, that is, all of who you are is supposed to trust the Lord. We're supposed to have full faith and confidence in Him, and in his word, and to live in accordance with that every day. It's more, I would say it's more than just external obedience, right? It's, it's internal belief, internal belief. See, it's easy to make that check mark, right? We make that, we like to make that list, right? Christians are, are, are just famous for doing this um, because it, we, we get complacent really easy in life, Right? We want to find a way to kind of to glide. I don't want things to be too hard, right? So I make a checklist. I make that checklist and I check things off. It makes me feel good, right? And so I can come to church. I can listen. I can, I can even be here every, every week, three times a week. And, and I recommend you be here every, every week, three times a week. But, it's, but, if, it, but if, if you just check that box off every week, like, hey, I made it, I made it, I made it, and you don't really... There's no change in your heart, right? There's no, there's no action on your part. And so you're, you, you, you're just a hearer. You don't, when you walk out those doors, you don't do anything with what you heard. Then you're really just deceiving yourself. You make this checklist, but it's just a checklist to make you feel better, not really to be pleasing to God. It doesn't really give glory to God. And so we have to trust the Lord with all of our heart, who we are. It's, it's more of that, it's more of that, it's not the external obedience because, you know, you, again, you do kids, right? You know, it's like, okay, go clean your room. Fine. Go clean my room because you told me to go clean my room. But I, I wouldn't clean my room if you didn't tell me to clean my room. You know, it's like, go, it's like hey, can you, can you clean your room? Oh, yeah. I'll clean my room. No problem, right? I want, a, I want a clean room. I didn't clean it before, but I'll do it now. Yeah, of course. It's... There's a, there's, a, there's a heart issue, right? If, if they're just doing it because out of the, the begrudgingness of their heart, right, and they like, only because you tell me to, I'm going to do this, you know, and not like, hey, I, I trust that you're telling me to do the right thing, and I'll do it because I want to be pleasing to you. The, there's a difference of the heart there, you know, and that's, God doesn't want us begrudgingly walking through our Christian life going, oh, 
complaining and I'll do what God wants me to do and you know I'm gonna kick rocks and walk down the street and I'm gonna complain about what God wants me to do and the life he's got for me and why can't I have that car I like that car better than my car you know I had to change the battery out last week and I had to do all this maintenance and change the tires and you know it didn't even start and I had to get a ride from somebody and you know but hey you got a car be thankful for that right good good plug for John's message this morning being thankful right be thankful and so there's a but there's a heart difference there's a heart difference in who I am. I'm thankful for God for what he's given me. I'm not looking for reasons to be negative or looking for reasons to complain or, or just only following because of that. I'm just trying to check, put a check in the box for that external obedience. It's, a, it's an internal belief. We see that, we see that in the Bible too, right? Um, you know, uh, Luke, Luke 18, 9, I think it's a great example of this. Uh, if you want to turn there, it's fine. Let's do that. Luke 18, 9. I'll give you an opportunity to turn, your, turn in your Bibles or click your screen. I did hear some pages turning, and I like it. All right, so uh, Luke 18, 9. I think people are just now like, they're like, oh, yeah? I'm going to turn some pages for you. Uh-huh. You hear that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably my kids. <laughs> All right, Luke 18, 9. It says, and he spake this parable, Jesus, unto certain which trusted in themselves. Oh, that's interesting. That they were righteous and despised others. And it gives you the story. Here's the story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners and unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess Pretty, pretty righteous, right? He's got the check. He's got the box. So he's got the list. He's like, I do, I do these things. I'm good. I'm good. But he's not. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift his eyes up so much as to see into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See the difference? Trusting the Lord with all of your heart. It's difference between external obedience and internal belief. Jesus goes on to say, and um, you look at 1 John 3.14 or Matthew 5.21, we won't turn there, but he's basically, in a nutshell, he says, if you hate your brother, it's the same as murder. There's a difference of outward compliance and internal belief. It's a hard issue. When Jesus came, he got to the heart of the issue. Oh, the Pharisees, what were they doing? They were, it was all external. It was all, oh, uh, as long as I don't say anything bad about my brother, but I can think whatever I want. He says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already you've committed adultery already in your heart, right? So what was going on before? Oh, I could do it all. I can look at it all I want. I can think about it all I want. But as long as I don't do it, then I'm not an adulterer. I can put that check in the box. I feel good about myself. I'm righteous. But you see those people that have done this, they're not righteous. There's a, there's a huge difference there between what does it mean to trust the Lord with all of thine heart? And to make this trust a reality in our lives, we must know God. To make, to make the trust a reality, we must know God. I mean, really, why would you trust somebody you don't know? If you need a ride at the airport, you know, or you're going to go find somebody on the street, hey, look, I've got to be at the airport tomorrow at like 10 o'clock. I need you to pick me up at like 8.30. All right, be here at 8.30, pick me up, I'll have my bags ready to go, you take me to the airport. Well, I'd be real worried they're not going to show up because some crazy person just asked them to pick them up at 8.30 to take them to the airport for their flight at 10 o'clock, right? Because I don't, I don't know that person. They don't know me. So why would I trust they're going to show up? Or maybe another example. You know, if you go to those, like, maybe corporate briefs or, you know, picnics or whatever, or work things where they go, oh, you want to do a trust fall, right? hate that stuff. <laughs> Touchy-feely, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, but, but the thing is, like, they want you to stand there, and then you fall, and your coworkers catch you, right? But 
you don't, I mean, if you don't know your coworkers well, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't want them to catch me. Why? Because I don't know them. I, I feel like that's, it's backwards, man. Let me get to know you first, and then maybe you can catch me after that. It's, it just seems backwards, right? I don't like it that way. I'd rather follow somebody that I know I can trust is going to catch me. Because I, why? Because I know them. I know their character. I know that they're trustworthy. So in order to trust God, you have to know him. In order to trust God, you have to know him. Why am I going to trust him? Why am, I gonna, why am I going to give him all of my heart if I don't know him? And so I guess the question is, how do I know him? How do I know God? A couple simple things here for you is, first, you've got to know God by being saved. You've you got to be in a relationship with him. If you're not in a relationship with him, then you're really not going to get to know him. How do you have a relationship with him? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know everybody's spiritual condition in this room, but if you haven't come to a place in your life where you put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right? What does that mean? That means that, oh, one day I realized God had this holy plan. He had this holy uh, standard for me to live by, and I realized I can't live, I can't live by it. I can't live in, in accordance with that, right? All of sin comes short of the glory of God. And so, yeah, okay, so now I'm a sinner. What do I do with that? Well, uh, the Bible says what the wage of sin is death, the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, right? So I know that because of my sin, my, my punishment should be death, but what do I do with that? Well, the, God gave you a gift. What's the gift? The gift is Jesus Christ. What did he do? He went to the cross. He died for your sin. He was that final, ultimate payment or sacrifice for your sin. And if you put your full trust and faith in that, God says you can have a home in heaven. Amazing, right? You don't have to do anything for it. You just got to submit. You just got to believe, hey, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And now, if I put my, my full trust and faith in that, I, I get to go to heaven. I get a home in heaven. And that's, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you haven't come to a place, you haven't, that's how you start a relationship with him, right? Because what does he do? He comes and he lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And now you have an opportunity to develop this relationship with him. So first, to get to know him, you've got to be saved. Second, to get to know him, you've got to spend time with him. You don't really get to know somebody without, without spending time with them. And, uh, you know, you can, you can see a married couple and you think they should know each other, but if they don't spend time with each other, are they really going to know each other? We've got to make, we got to be specific about that, right? We have to say, hey, let's have a date night. Let's, ha- let's have time where we spend time together because I want to get, I want to know you better. I want to know you more intimately. And the only way to know, to know Christ more intimately is to spend time with him. How do we spend time with him? I think you know the answer to that. Through prayer, through time in his word, reading, right? We spend time with him. And that coupled with the Holy Spirit helps us create a more intimate relationship with him. We get to know him by trusting his word, right? So the more you get to know him, right, the more you get to know him, the more uh, that you'll trust what he says. And so now when you read the word, you have opportunities. It gives you opportunities to, to walk by faith, right? So I take these steps of faith, trusting that God's trustworthy, and then I see him be trustworthy. I see him answer. I see him fulfill his promises in the word. Oh man, that gives me more faith. That gives me more trust. I want to know him more. I want to make that relationship deeper. I want to make that relationship more intimate. Oh, how else would you know he's trustworthy? What is worship? It's ascribing worth to. He's worthy of our praise. Why is he worthy? Because what he says is true and right and good. But how do, we get to, how do we know that if we don't follow it? A mental ascent? It's more than that. I love Proverbs 3, 1, right? So uh, in, our, in our chapter in Proverbs, in the very first verse, it, it almost kind of tells you what to do. It says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Always, he, points, he points right away to the word. Right? You got Solomon writing to his son. He's pointing right away to, his, to the word. Forget not my law. Let thine heart keep my commandments. I like um, put up on the screen of Joshua 1 verse 8. I made this, I made this one time a uh, lot of words. Uh, I made it a family verse. I wanted my kids to learn because I want them to know the implication of this. I want them to know this is the prescription 
I believe, to being a, just a, a, I don't say successful, faithful Christian. He even has the word success in there. What does it say? This book of the law, what is that? The Bible, shall not depart out of thy mouth. What do you do with it? But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You want to know when you read your Bible? Day and night. Meditate on it day and night. That thou mayest, what? Observed to do, there's the action, according to all that is written therein, then what? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want a successful Christian life. You want a prosperous Christian life. This is the prescription to that. But you have to believe it. You have to trust it. It has, there has to be an action component to it. You see that prosperous success doesn't really mean, uh, oh, I got this nice house, right? Or maybe I got this nice car. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond circumstances. That's beyond circumstances. It's not about things, right? It's about a, re- it's about a relationship. So with even, so when we, when we trust God with all of our heart, when we make that, when we make that an action item in our life, right? God promises here to make our way prosperous and successful. If we trust in his word, if we trust what he says, that it's truth, then he promises to make our way prosperous and successful. He promises to bless us. He promises to be faithful to that. When we follow that, right, then he gives us a peace. He gives us, like we talked about this morning, the peace and stability that we're looking for. All right, but, but what we do, we often do, we, we look for that in other ways, right? There's a little bit of hole in our heart, right? You've heard that there's a vac- we create that vacuum, but we don't fill it with something good, right? But what we, we look to try to fill it with other things that we think are going to make us feel prosperous, feel successful. But really, when we have circumstances that, that aren't ideal, God gives us the peace through that and the stability supernaturally, right? So what does he do? He changes our, our, our view. He changes our perspective. He says, just having this intimate relationship with me is really what it's all about. Why? Because I get to give God glory with that. And he gives me the peace I'm looking for. He gives me the intimacy. He gives me the success in my life. And what, what is a Christian success? It, is my life a picture of Christ? Am I being an ambassador for Christ? Can people look at me and say, and see Jesus? Can they do that? Does everybody, do, does everybody I meet, the people I meet, either in the workplace or wherever you may go, can they, can they look at me and say, hey, he shared the gospel with me. He told me about Jesus. I see Jesus in him. I see good things in him. Like, is that, is that something that's a, a fruit of your life? Is that a reality to you? Do you know God like that? Do you trust him like that with all of your heart? Uh, I like to go back to Paul. We look at Paul's life. We want, we want all these things in life, right? But what does Paul say about these things? And I mean, I mean like, kind of like, oh, I want this house, I want the car, I want the money, I want these things, right? What does Paul say about these things? He says what? Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, and I'm going to go down to 10. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss, I counted loss, what does he say? For Christ. He says, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of, of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He wants to know God. He wants to know Christ. He's willing to lose everything to know Christ better. And he says, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness of the law, but that which through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, that I may know him. And what does he say? And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable, conformable to his death. What does prosper and success look like to Paul? It's, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to get rid of anything. I'm willing to go anywhere because I love him, because I trust him with all of my heart, because I just want to know him. And knowing him more develops more trust. And I can trust him with all of my heart. But to do that, my truth must come from the Lord. My truth, it must come from the Lord. Look at verse 5 continued. 
Trust him with all my heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not unto thy own understanding. What does this mean? It, it means believing something is true doesn't make it true. Believing something is true doesn't make it true. Only God establishes what is true. I mean, I can be, I can be standing out in the middle of the road, and I can have an 18-wheeler coming at me. Somebody's like, hey, an 18-wheeler's coming at you. If you don't move, you're going to get run over. And i be like, you know what? I don't believe that. I don't believe it. So therefore, it ain't going to happen. And you're like, okay. Well, an 18-wheeler's coming at you, and that's true, and it's going to run you over and squish you. you know, so, but I, I, say, I, I say a ridiculous point like that to say in so many other areas of our lives, we say, well, I don't, you, you may see it, you say it in your life or see it in other people's lives. Like, I don't believe that's true. What are you basing your truth off of? Are you basing it off of God's word? Or are you basing it off of what you think in your mind? Because God's truth comes from his word. It comes from his word. So my verse 5 says, lean, on not, lean not unto thine understanding. What does that lean not mean? It means do not rely on. Do not rely. What is it? Thy understanding. Do not rely on your own knowledge. Don't, do not rely on your own wisdom. Do not rely on what you think is right. We can't rely on what we think is right. Why? Truth comes only from the Lord and his word. Truth comes only from the Lord and his word. Great verse came to mind when I was, when I was going through this. Uh, Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25. Um, next slide. So here it is for you. You don't have to turn there. It's, it's in two different spots in the Bible. And I thought it's, it's almost exactly the same. There's only one word that's different. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end, there, the end thereof are the ways of death. So the other verse, 1625, says, there is, a, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. It doesn't change anything. It's one's which and one's that. But the point is, there's a, there's a way that seems right to us, but what the Bible says is the, the, the end thereof are the ways of death. Here's an example of what I see. I have my own idea of justice. I have my own idea of justice. When I was a kid, I used to watch, like, I used to watch movies with my dad, right? Um, just I'll, I'll say off the bat, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I'm, if I tell you the movies I watch, I don't want you to go home and watch these movies, okay? Because um, I wouldn't watch them now. Uh, it's just, it's an example. I would watch like old westerns, which some of them aren't so bad. Some of them are, you, you, you got to judge that for yourselves. But I'd watch things like old, like Chuck Norris movies, right? Or yeah, I don't know if anybody remembers like, Charles Bronson movies. Like I'm saying, don't, like, don't watch them. But uh, <laughs> I don't even tell you the names of them. I just tell you the actors. Um, I mean, I like Chuck Norris jokes. Those are kind of funny. <laughs> But I used to watch those, and why do I, why do I like, I, li- I really like those movies. Why? Because I like when the bad guy gets it in the end. I like when the good guy with the white hat rides in on the white horse and kills the guy with the black hat and a black horse wearing a black, wearing a black outfit. Because uh, what? Why? Because he's a bad guy. He did a lot of bad things. You know, he maybe killed a person that, that, that killed a member of that person's family. And, like, you know, and he's like, I'm determined I'm going to hunt this guy down and I'm going to get him. I want to exact justice. To me, go for it, and I'll join you. I'll help you, right? Because I want justice. I like the idea. I like the idea of justice. But you know what? That seems right to me. But the end there, the, the end there are the ways of death. My idea of justice isn't God's idea of justice. What is God's idea of justice? Romans twelve nineteen. It says, Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I was like, man, that's a bummer. Because <laughs> I wanted to be the one to do it. I wanted that satisfaction, but it's not mine. Because I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner. God is. So what may seem right to me isn't right. It's totally wrong. That's a wrong attitude. And it's, I struggle with that. I still struggle with that. Like, I want to exact justice. You know, somebody cuts me off, man, I want to go cut them off too. I want to show them that I can do that too, you know. And, man, sometimes I wish I had missile launchers in my car. I could just shoot them out the front and I could just blow that thing. You know, it's like, I mean, come on. Who doesn't feel like that sometimes, right? I do. But that's not, that's not right. 
right? And what do I have to do? I have to go, God, I really trust you right now because I'm not going to do anything about this. Because I love you, and I know your way's right, and I want to be right. And I don't want to set a exa- bad example for you because I want to give you glory. I, I have these conversations <laughs> with myself. It's like, God, I know this is wrong, um, and I, but I want to be right with you. Because I know, what does it say? I know that the end thereof are the ways of death. Because I trust your word. And I trust that it's true. And I believe you're trustworthy. And, you're tr- and I, when I believe the truth comes only from the Lord and his word. I mean, we consider, you, you know, you look at me and the things I say, and you're probably, you know, thinking, oh, dude, this is kind of crazy. But, I mean, you look in the Bible. Start, read the Bible. What does it say? I mean, it, it tells on itself, right? You look at the, you look at the children of Israel Walking, walking through the desert. And, you know, you look in the, I was, I've been reading the book of Exodus. This is kind of an idea of leaning on your own understanding, right? It's because Mo, God calls Moses to go up the mountain. And Moses ends up spending like 40 days with God. And he's like, hey, just stay here. Don't touch the mountain. Don't come up the mountain. I'll be back. All you got to do is just keep doing what I told you to do before I left, and everything will be fine. What do they do? A couple of days go by. Moses is dead. Aaron, do something. Uh, give me your gold rings and stuff like that, and I'll throw it in the fire. Oh, a calf popped out. Oh, here's a calf. Worship that. You know, it's just like, what in the world? How did you guys go from, like, following a, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day and seeing God do these miraculous things to, like, now I want to worship this golden calf. Like, I have no idea, right? And it's easy to look at them and just give them such a hard time. But they did what was right in their own eyes. It seemed right unto them, but the ways thereof are death. We have to understand that God's word is truth. God's word is truth. John, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Jesus says, Thy word is truth. So the word is calling the word truth. I just thought that was cool. Jesus is the word. If you guys didn't know that. John says, well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, thy Word is truth. The point is, we can rely, we can rely on God's Word. We can lean on God's Word. What does man's counsel lead to? What does man's counsel lead to? Isaiah 36, 6. It says, Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, Wherein, if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all that trust in him. What, what is he saying? Saying, if you're going to trust in man's wisdom and what man has to say, it's basically like leaning on a staff, a broken reed, and if you lean on it, it's going to pierce your hand. That's probably not going to be very pleasant. So, but if we lean on God's word, that is sure, that will hold us up. We can rely on that. Therefore, if we can't depend on our own wisdom and understanding, we must depend on God's wisdom and understanding. God gives us instructions. He gives us instructions for life by the truth of his word. You know, uh, if you go through uh, discipleship and you get the continue book, one of the first verses you're going to learn is Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you even want to go on, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So all God's saying, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, all scripture is given by inspiration. It's God breathed, right? And what is it is good for? It's profitable for? For doctrine, for truth, right? For reproof. What is that? To, to show me the things I've done, I, I do that are wrong. Show me things that are wrong. What else? For correction. To show me things that are right. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what's right. And to give you the instruction in righteousness. This is the in instruction for life. How do I be righteous for life? I follow the word, the inspired word, the God-breathed word of life. That way, God says, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We see his word is reliable. His word is reliable. It's truth. Uh, you just take a quick look at his word. Let's, let's look at the, an overview of the Bible. There's, there's, there's 66 books in the Bible. It's written over a period of 1,500 years. That's, that's, that's a long time. We've, we've been a country for how long now? A couple hundred, not even 300 years yet. 
uh, this Bible, the Bible was written over a period of 1,500, 1,500 years. There's 66 books. People have been trying to destroy it for that long. It's written by 40 different authors from backgrounds from uh, king to, to shepherd, uh, you know, prophet, I mean, fishermen, right? There's, there's all kinds of different backgrounds of people who wrote this Bible. It's written in three different languages. It was written on three different continents, right, over, over that period of time. Yet, yet, it's reliable and it's consistent from front to back. That's supernatural. That's amazing. And it's been verified not only because, oh, we're Christians, we just believe that. It's been verified by archaeology. It's been verified by history. It's been verified by science. It's a book that we can rely on. It's a book that we can trust on. We can lean on that as the truth for our life. And when we do that, we have to understand my choices then must be guided by the Lord. My choices must be guided by the Lord. Verse 6, Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What does that mean, in all thy ways? Really, in all thy ways know him. In, your, in the way of your life, know him and follow his counsel. Know him and do what he says. Acknowledge him. That's what that means. And he shall what? Direct thy path. When I'm willing to do that. When I'm willing to know him and follow his counsel, he says, I will direct your path. What does that mean? It means that he will make your path straight. If you have a crooked path, he will straighten it. If there's an obstacle in the way, God will move it. He will direct that. Divinely will direct that. We look at Psalm uh, 119, 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Man, Psalm 119, can I just say, it's, it's like 170, I think 176 verses. Uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like 176 verses of just the truth of God's word. And it was, the whole thing talks about God's word. Thy testimonies, thy word. It's a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. We're going to look in here in a minute. Is wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy word. That all comes from Psalm 119. Such an amazing book. One of the longest books in the Bible. The longest book in the Bible. Psalm 1, I think Psalm 119. And it is all about how reliable God's word is and what it can do for you and the truth of God's word. So those who trust in God with all their heart are guided by his word. Those who trust in God with all their heart, they are guided by his word. We allow God, when we put our trust in him, to do the things that he's told us to, to be obedient to that, right? When we follow him like he's, like he's commanded us in, in the Bible, and we trust in that with all of our hearts, and that determines our path. That determines God's will for our life. It's not, I mean, it's not some secret thing I just came up with, you know. Um, people want to know, like, what's God's will for my life? It's, there's, there's no secret to it. God tells you all through the Bible what his will is for your life. Are you willing to be guided by his word? You look at John, John 8, 31. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? If you continue in my word, right, there's that action component again, then you are my disciples indeed. You want to be a disciple in Christ, you have to be doing God's word. You have to be actively engaged in God's word. You say you want to be a disciple of Christ, but are you acknowledging him in all your ways? Does your life show a pattern of obedience and following Christ's commands? We look at John 14, 21. I don't have a slide for it, but it says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So we trust God enough to keep his commandments, that have his commandments, that keep his commandments, that we love him. What does it say he's going to do? It says, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. There's that relationship component and will manifest myself to him. What does that mean? God will show himself to you. He will show himself to you. He will, he will help in the creating that relationship with you, and he will help guide your path. He will move obstacles. He will make paths straight for you. But it, it's conditional. If you trust him, you'll let him guide you with his word. If you trust him, you'll be obedient to his word. 
Again, Psalm 119, verse 9. I, I recommend everybody put this as a memory verse. Memorize it. Wherewithal shall your own man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119, 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How do we, how are we, we know we can be made right with God? We hide his word in our heart. We make that a part of who we are. We are obedient to it. We're submissive to it. We obey it, right? And then it gives us opportunity not to sin against God. We can be righteous. We can be right. Because the problem is we want to know God's will in the gray areas of our life, but we aren't willing to do his will in the clear areas of the Bible. That's, that's a tough, that's kind of tough, right? Because I, I want to know, where, God, where do you want me to go? Anywhere, anytime, any place, no matter the cost. I'll do it. Just tell me what to do. But God's, you're not even following me. You're not even following what I say in the Bible. Why would I do that? Because he's made it clear for us in the Bible. What, do we, what, do we, what does it mean? What, how do we know God's will for our life? For first, again, be saved. Even It says in the Bible, 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will for your life is that you be saved. His, his will for everybody in this world is they would, they would be saved. He's made an opportunity for them to be saved. That is God's will. Uh, another one. Love God. We're, we're commanded to love God. It's not just that external outward obedience or that, that mental assent. Oh, God, you're real. I, yeah, you're there. Yeah, yeah. But do we love him? Uh, Mark twelve thirty, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is name, like it, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. Do you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? That's a command of God. It says it's the great commandment. And the second commandment, great commandment, is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, these are easy concepts for us, right? Again, I would say maybe what John said this morning. These are simple concepts for us, but they're not easy to carry out. But are we doing those with our lives? What else does God want us to do? He wants us to share the gospel. He wants to share the gospel. Matthew 28, 19, uh, before, before he leaves, was, what are some instructions that he gives us? He gives the church. He gives uh, the church and individually, right? He says, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's a command. He's, he's commanded us to share the gospel. That's God's will for our life, to love him, to share the gospel, he also commands us to seek wisdom. He asks us, hey, you want wisdom? Seek wisdom. You want to know me? Seek me. James 1, 5. And if you like wisdom, let him ask God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. It shall be given unto him. Those are some of the clear areas in the Bible. Are, we do, are you doing those things? Examine yourself. Are, are you living that life? Are, can you be that example you, like I said, you want, to fall, you, want to go, you want to know God's will for your life. But, and maybe the unclear gray areas, but why would he show you those if you're not willing to follow the clear commands of the Bible? And so the question remains, if we're not following these areas, why would he direct our paths? Why would he make our paths straight? Because those who trust God with all their heart allow God to choose their path. Those who trust God with all their heart allow God to choose their path. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy, thought, thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. So again, it comes down to that, that trust component. Am I trusting the Lord? Am I willing to commit my works unto him? And he will change my perspective. He will change my thoughts so that I will follow him. If I delight myself in the Lord, what's that word delight? That's a great word there because it really means to, to make yourself pliable, to make yourself pliable and moldable and shapeable to the Lord. So he can take you and he can, he can shape you however he wants to for his will. And then what's he do? He gives thee desires of thine heart. Well, is that really the desires of my heart? 
but he changes when he shapes me to his image. He gives me the desires of his heart. And so now that I have the desires of his heart, he gives me the desires of my heart. Why? Because we have that close relationship. Because we have that intimacy with each other. Because we trust each other. I trust him. He is trustworthy. And I allow him then to choose my path. God, where do you want me to go? What do you you want me to do? Am I I doing the things you have commanded me to do that are clearly in Scripture? If I'm not, I should do those. And I think once you start doing those, you see God will direct your path. See, God doesn't necessarily take you out of harm's way. He doesn't change your circumstances, but he'll give you his heart, he'll give you his desires, and you'll be able to see with his eternal perspective. See, God is the only one who can truly open and close doors. He's the only one that can truly open and close doors. You see, uh, Revelation 3.7, he's talking to one of, the, uh, one of the churches. He says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth, I know thy works. He's talking to the church. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Oh, we, have, we are that. We have little strength. But if we keep his word, what does he say he will do? He's willing to shut doors. He's willing to open doors. He's willing to make crooked paths straight. He's willing to remove obstacles. He will direct your way. He will direct your way. So, quite simply, if I would wrap this whole message up in one sentence, if you want to know God's will for your life, you can know God's will for your life by getting to know Him and being obedient to His Word. It's simple, right? But it's not easy. But that's, that's what we have to do. See, I told you, maybe it's a little anticlimactic. You're looking for something different. Right? But trust me as somebody who's trusted God. If you follow him, if you do the things that he asks you to do and you're faithful to that, don't do it in fear. What we trust, what is trust? I I am confident. I am secure because I know him. I know he's faithful. If I do these things, if I'm obedient to what he's asked me to do, I know he will show me the way to go. I know he will show me. I trust that. And I, I know he will for me, and I know he will for you too. But it all comes back to, are you, are you getting to know him, and are you being obedient to his word? He wants that relationship with you. He wants you to trust him. But then we have to lean not on our own understanding, right? But on his word, and he will direct thy paths. Acknowledge him in your life, and he will direct your path. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.